Well, hello. Good morning. I should tell you, if you don't know this, Pastor Frank, my dad, is in Israel. I did hear from him in, uh, we had email back and forth, and he's had great, I think, uh, so far it sounds like a great trip. He's got to spend some really good quality time with Etan Shishkov. Some of you know Etan, he was here. And uh, Dan Juster, he spent an evening with Dan, and I know that was something that he really wanted to do in this trip was just have good quality time with some of these leaders and congregations in Israel and these different groups. So, so far so good. And uh, my mom has guaranteed me that he has a place to come back to. She's interested in having him come back. So that's excellent, too. <laughs> Very good. So please keep him in your prayers that he come back safe and, and uh, all that sort of thing. And I think he, I'm pretty sure he guaranteed souvenirs for all of us. So make sure that you ask him for those. Well, happy Mother's Day. To all of you moms out there, happy Mother's Day. You are survivors. If you've gone through the teenage years anyway, it is nice to see all of you moms. We're blessed by you. Grace Christian Fellowship is blessed by you. We need you to be the moms that you are. You know, I've grown up, uh, last Father's Day I had a chance to speak, and I got to talk a little bit about my dad. Talk about the blessing he is, roast him a little bit, and it was kind of nice for me he wasn't here. <laughs> my mom is here today. So I thought, I, I, <laughs> I thought, you know, in the theme of honoring my parents, I should make sure that I have a few things about my mom, don't you think? Yes. And, you know, I also have grown up in a fairly public way, um, starting at about age 10, uh, there, we've had different ministries, and with my dad and mom uh, being in the ministry the way they are, a lot of people have known me or watched me grow up, and, I, and uh, some of it's been a little ugly. There's been times people have watched me argue with my parents. I remember one time, my, I was arguing with my dad, and we weren't really arguing, and this was only about four years ago. So we're standing in front of the windows, kind of in, near the entryway, and he said something, and I'm like, come on. The way a father and son can talk, that's okay. So I wasn't mad at him. He wasn't mad at me. It was just, you know, a father and son. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. So <clears throat> he sa- I said, oh, come on. And this lady, bless her soul for not being here right now because <laughs> I would embarrass her. But she, lo- she goes, isn't it wonderful you have a father like this? <laughs> yeah. And then she just wanted to give me some real wisdom right in front of my father and what a great father he is. So I've grown up like that. <laughs> very public. Uh, my relationship with my parents is very public. And I will tell you, I am very blessed to have a dad like that. But I'm also very blessed to have a mom like I have. That's a good thing. You know, uh, I know that not everybody has had a good experience with mothers. We do all have mothers in common. At some point in our life, we have known a mom. Amen? Amen. But <clears throat> I know there's been some difficulties. Some moms have had challenging times. I know that it's been a rocky road for some of you when you think of Mother's Day. It is in a different kind of way. Maybe uh, your experience with mom wasn't so great. Uh, maybe you haven't been blessed to know your mom. Maybe she passed when you were young or even recently or even when you were older. And Mother's Day is a different kind of thing. I'll, talk to, to, I'll speak to that a little bit this morning. But I do want to share a little bit about my mom. I know a lot of you know my mom. So doesn't that seem good? All right, Jeff, hit it. First slide. This is the Sussler clan. Now, we don't all have the same last names, but this is, when I think of my mom, this is where her, the kind of the width of her influence, because these are all my mom and dad and descendants, really, of my mom and dad. Um, since this photo was taken last July, so it's been less than a year, we've added five new babies to this clan. <laughs> 
which <clears throat> that's a lot of action there. Uh, of course, three of them come from my sister Josie, and uh, and then uh, my own daughter Johanna, and then of course uh, my sister Jackie had a baby. But this is the clan. When I think of the Sussler clan, if I talk about the Sussler clan, this is really who I'm speaking of today. All right, hit it, Jeff. There she is. Now my question is, do you know which one my mom is? <laughs> Come on, that was a little funny, right? My mom's sitting in the last row, so I'm just teasing. <clears throat> we know which one my mom is. Uh, she's good looking, right? I had a good looking mom. The, uh, uh, the hair is great. It's big hair. Uh, her dog's name there is Muffin. Muffin was a very good dog, very smart dog, and she would enter her in shows, and my mom knows quite a bit about dogs and training dogs and this sort of thing. If you ever just stop and think of the, the names that my parents give to their, their dogs, there's a theme to them. Mango, blueberry, muffin, biscuit. You can eat them all. <clears throat> I don't know what that is. There was a dog they named Flower. There's always one weird kid, right? I did not name Flower. I would not claim a name like Flower for a dog. I name my dogs things like Bruce Lee or Leon Cavatier, which is really true. Those are real, my real dog names. So she's uh, very good with animals, actually very musical. She does all the sorts of things like this. Go ahead, Jeff. There's my mom and me. Young, huh? My mom and dad were very young when I was born. So in a lot of ways, I've kind of gotten to grow up and watch them grow up too. It's, uh, it's been a real journey for me. <clears throat> or a trip for me watching this. I have memories of a little boy. You know, my parents would have a bowling night on Thursdays. Remember bowling night? They would say they're going out with their friends. It was a bowling league, and we were living in Texas. Just, I just have good memories of lots of things that we did. Uh, I remember at one point in my life. This is to me, it's a, it's a kind of a funny story, but it's also very endearing. I don't know how you're going to receive it. But I was about five years old, and my dad was in the military. We were, again, living in Texas. And I was uh, talking to a friend of mine. We were in kindergarten together. And we were coming home from school, and he started to yell at me and push me and hit me. I don't, honestly don't know why. I don't think I knew why then. I certainly don't know why now after all these years. But as this is going on, his mom's coming out of the house. His mom is coming out of the house, right? And she's going to give the what for. And I've got my metal lunchbox. Remember the metal lunchboxes? Yeah. So I started clobbering the kid with my metal lunchbox, and I'm really racking him. And it's a pretty tough experience for him, I think, because the metal lunchbox hurts, and it's tough for me because I didn't know what was going on. I was just clobbering this kid. There's a lot of emotions for a little boy going through this. So here comes my mom. My mom. This was the first time I've seen her in this mode. Probably the last time I've ever seen her quite like this. I've seen her close, but quite like this. And I won't tell you the whole story, but I'll just say my mom won. And the other, later, other lady never came back. <clears throat> I remember that story, and I know I asked my mom yesterday if she remembers it, and she does remember it. That was a gnarly scene. <laughs> but it was endearing for me. And if, I'll tell you, if you know anything about the Sustlers, you can imagine, you can picture that, right? Next one. Okay, so here I am. I'm 10 years old or so. And my mom and dad are probably somewhere in their late 20s or 30-ish. They're not older than 30 in this picture. We're in military housing. We're living in Alaska at this point. And if you look behind my parents to the wall, you'll see some pipes that go up. And this is good quality military housing, right? You've got pipes, your hot and water cold pipes just cruising through your living room. And we used to have a party line, and we shared a telephone with our neighbors next door. 
But everywhere we lived, and no matter what the experience was where we lived in this house or that house or military basing or that military housing or an apartment or wherever we lived and whatever we did, my mom is a place that made it a home. And a lot of times we moved places. We didn't even own our own furniture. We just used military furniture. So when you don't own anything except a toy box and a bookshelf, cedar chest, rocking chair, and things like that, and that you can count out like that, but your mom can still make it a home, that is pretty darn cool. And that's what my mom did. No matter where we were, no matter what we had or didn't have, I never thought anything about it. We just had a home. And what's significant about this is, you see, this was our whole family at the time. There was no Joe, Josie, or Jackie. No, no, those people came and cut into the will later on. (laughs) At this time, it was just us. And we went through some crazy experiences. Like I said earlier, I've seen my mom kind of grow. I did. And my dad, too. I watched him grow. I remember my dad. He must have been about 24 or 25. He broke his ankle playing football. Right? So I'm, as a kid, I watched my mom grow up through those same things and all the experiences she had in life. At least, well, from that point on, right? But I've always known her as my mom. As my mom. Now, there is somebody else. <clears throat> There's, of course, when I married my wife, I didn't know her always as a mom. I got to see that later on. All right, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, i got to point one more thing out over here. I forgot about this picture. So here I am. You see a little arrow, and I'm the guy in the, the light blue shirt, and I'm in junior high. Back then it was called junior high. Now it's middle school. So I'm, I am in junior high. <clears throat> I'm in eighth grade, and my friend, I'm standing next to my friend. He's got big afro, big curly hair. And we've got our signs, and we're on a Jesus march because that's what we did in the 70s. It was the Jesus people, Jesus movement. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are going, what? (laughs) But let me just say, it wasn't uncommon to have a march for Jesus. And that we were following, you can't see it, but on this side of it, it's a truck, and they've got a full band sitting in the pickup of a truck. They've got amps and a whole drum set, a whole drum set. And the truck is rolling at about three miles an hour, and they're playing worship songs, and we're singing. And then there's people all running in the street, walking up to strangers in the street, just talking to them about the Lord. Because in the 70s and the 60s, you could do that sort of thing, and it wasn't weird. Now, if you do it today, people will think, you know, oh, but back then it was okay. What's significant about this, again, is that I was in eighth grade, and I didn't want my mom around. Did you ever go through that in your life? You're like, Mom, Dad, I love you, but just stay away for a while. I, I think you're uncool. Anyone? Come on, admit it. Admit it. So you wanted a little space from your parents. I wanted some space from my mom. But my mom was a great mom. She sat, she parked her car in the route that she knew she was gonna go, we were going to walk in, and she got the camera ready. She still wanted to be involved in my life. Isn't that a good mom? She wasn't up in my business. She let me do my thing. But she was still involved in my life. What a good mom. So then again, I married Leah, and I got to watch her become a mom. Go ahead. What? How'd that picture get there? Go ahead, next one. I just want to put that in and mess with Leah. So here she is. This is my wife and our two daughters. This obviously was taken some time ago. Watching Leah grow into becoming a mom was kind of a trip for me. Because as soon as we had our first baby, it was like, cha-chink, somebody turned on the mom switch. Ooh, I learned more even about my own mom because I watched Leah become a mom. I learned more what a mother thought and mother's perspective. It was very good for me, and my wife is a wonderful mother, in spite of what my kids have said at different points. <laughs> You're so mean. She's a wonderful mother. I remember 
we had a season in our life where, by the way, last week I had orange juice, and I didn't cut the mustard. This apple juice is a pretty good trick. <laughs> I remember we had a season in our life where we, were, we didn't have any money <clears throat> uh, at all, actually. And God really carried us through that season. It's a real testimony. But she got some money for her birthday, so she spent the money to buy a, a Barney stuffed animal, a dinosaur Barney from the TV show Stuffed Animal for our daughter. And uh, she just did that all the way through. That's what made her happy. And that's the kind of mom she is, just loving her kids, being with her kids. She never really thought about spending her own money on herself. And I'm sure you moms have done the same thing. Next slide. All right. So I look like there's something wrong with me. <laughs> but Lee and I like this picture. We're in Florida. We had taken a vacation. We had taken our two girls down. And, and uh, we're just jumping in the waves in the ocean. And Leah's not in the picture because she's the one taking the picture because that's what she did. She took the pictures of things. She remembered those details. She thought of the family. She thought of how we are down the way. How can we preserve these memories? How can we look back on them? She just thought of family things like that. She, she does it sometimes, and then I feel embarrassed. I'm like, yeah, I didn't really think about the camera. That's a good idea. <laughs> you know, but she's about that sort of thing. And uh, you know, it's very nurturing, very, very good for a family. Okay, next one. This is our clan. So this is kind of where Leah starts in passing down that motherly uh, nurturing. And, of course, since then we've added one more ourselves. That's one of those babies I mentioned earlier was Johanna and Michael's son, which brings us to this picture. So now there's a significance to this picture. Not only is Johanna now my daughter, she found a good man, and they got married, and they had their own baby. And this was, uh, if you don't know this story, Johanna was there. He was born in Community Memorial in Menominee Falls, but right after his birth, they kind of whisked him away. So the next day, Johanna, <clears throat> actually just literally hours later, she checked herself out of the hospital earlier, and she went to Children's Hospital where baby Caleb had been taken. So she didn't have really any quality time, and Michael didn't really have any quality time with her new baby at all. Uh, he was taken away too quickly. He had some health concerns. They weren't even in the same hospital. So this is when they got to sit down and be together. And so this is when the connection's really happening. And when he walked, when Johanna walked in the room and talked, he opened his eyes and turned his head to her. He knew who she was. I am still a dad. And he knew, <clears throat> excuse me, Caleb also knew who his dad was. Mothers, we appreciate you. You don't know how much we appreciate you. In this church, we're so blessed for the mothers that we have here. So very blessed. But i got to tell you, it's a little bit more than mothers. We're going to dive into a verse. Sound good? We're going to go straight into Scripture. I am reminded, Paul says, this is Apostle Paul, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Grandmothers have influence too. Grandmothers have influence too. So thank you, grandmothers. We need you to have influence. Thank you for that. But wait, there's more. We're going to read another verse. 
Paul says, greet Rufus. I have to stop here. Rufus, what do you think a pet name for Rufus was? This is my boy, Rufy. Doesn't have any flow to it. Anyway, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Not a blood connection, but this woman, Rufus's mother, also served as that mother figure, that example, and that influence to Paul. Wow. Apostle Paul had a motherly influence in his life. No blood connection. I want to thank you ladies that have positive, powerful influences on other people's lives, regardless of age. Here, Paul is not a young man. He's well into his ministry. You know, women, you can have these influences without having a blood connection. And we need those too. Thank you for that. There we go. I think I've covered mothers, grandmothers, and any other woman that just has a positive influence on somebody else. What a special thing. So this morning, I'm going to take a few minutes, <clears throat> excuse me, and look at, we'll look at two ladies and three examples that these two ladies have given us. Okay? The first example is coming from Yochabed. That's Moses' mother. <clears throat> excuse me. Yochabed, Moses' mother. And uh, she's kind of an interesting, interesting lady. I want to set a little bit of a backdrop. She and her husband are from the tribe of Levi. Now, this is before Levites were really given the priestly duties, but they know they're descendants from Levi, and uh, that's kind of their space, and they're in a clan. And they have a little bit of an unusual relationship because Yochabed's husband was also her nephew. Yes, it's true. Yochabed's husband was also her nephew. So Moses then, when he came along the way, could say, Hey, Dad, and you, great aunt, I mean, mom, mom, you know. Uh, by the way, that didn't last forever. Just a little while later in Leviticus, as part of the commandments, uh, the Lord said that those sorts of relationships couldn't happen. But then, that's the way it was. And they had been, Yochebed and her husband, and they had other children. Moses has came along toward the end there. But we know that the, uh, Aaron, an older brother, was alive and doing well. We know that Miriam, his sister, was older, and she was alive and doing well. And as a family, they had been part of the the Hebrew group that was captives in Egypt for a long time. Over 300 years, a long time. They had never known freedom. And really, as a Hebrew group, nobody had ever known freedom. All, the, all their ancestors that had known that freedom had passed. And uh, so they were in kind of a different way. And Pharaoh was realizing that the Israelites, or the Hebrews at the time, were getting too big and too powerful. So he tried to do a little population control, and he wanted newborn babies killed. So he had one idea, and that didn't work at all. So he had this other idea of taking newborn baby boys and having them thrown into the, the Nile River. Here's where we'll start our reading. Go ahead, Jeff. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. That's Yochebed. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, and I want to stop at the word fine. This word fine is actually mentioned three times in the scriptures. It means extremely Good-looking, not good-looking, extremely good-looking. I should have brought in some of my baby pictures to give you a sense of that, but extremely, okay? So he's extremely good-looking. Um, anyway, she saw he was a fine child, and she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. 
So the same river that was supposed to kill Moses is saving Moses. That's kind of a neat twist, isn't it? So picture this. They have this baby. They've got other children in the house that are a little bit older, but I'm sure they're not grown people at this point. I'm sure that they're not that old, much older. But so she's got this baby, and she hides him for three months. I couldn't even get one child to keep a secret from another child in my house. How did they keep it a secret? But they did. It didn't, the word didn't get out. It didn't get back to the Egyptians in any way. The, 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 the word didn't get out. And you know, something else that I thought was always kind of a twist in this story is, how on earth did she explain to her children that it's okay to float this new baby down the river? Hey, kids, this is going to be fun for Moses. He's going to love it. We'll see where he goes. Who knows? How do you explain this to your children? I can't imagine. We had a hard enough time explaining our children how we were going to move to a new house. That's true. They were, our kids were good with it, but it was kind of a, oh, yeah. So I don't know how this happened, but somehow in this house, in, this, in, your, in her home, she kept a good home, and she was able to, to, to keep that a secret, her and her husband, and her children, and, and, and she was able to hide him for three months and, and feed him and through all that crying and all those sorts of things that happened for those, for those months. You know, three months isn't very old, right? But she was able to do that for, for them. By the way, his real air name, uh, his real, Moses' his real name, they believe, um, according to Jewish tradition, was Joachim. Or if you're just reading it, Joachim. But I believe it's Joachim. Uh, somewhere it became Moses. And do you ever think about how names, how they got switched to be with the way they were switched? Somewhere along the line, names get switched in the Bible sometimes. And uh, Egyptian, though, they believe is the uh, Moses. They believe is the Egyptian name that uh, Pharaoh's daughter actually gave Moses. So <clears throat> I'll keep reading here. His sister, after she, he's floated on the river, his sister stood at a distance to see what had happened to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket in the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying. Remember, this is an extremely good-looking baby. Extremely good-looking. And when she opens it and he sees, she sees this extremely good-looking crying baby, that couldn't help hurt, could it? I mean, if it would be an ugly baby, maybe she closes the basket and sends him down. But he's extremely good-looking. Um, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of those Hebrew babies, she said. She knew right away who he was, that he was from a Hebrew group. Um, this, then his sister, who had watched, remember, Moses' sister had watched, asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women and nurse the baby for you? Of course, Pharaoh's daughter said yes. His sister went then and actually got his mother, who was able to nurse him for that time. An amazing twist, an amazing story. Clearly, clearly a God intervention. What a very cool Cool story. The movie, The Ten Commandments, doesn't quite do it justice. But clearly God moved in this. And there's a couple, uh, again, there's a couple uh, uh, examples that I think are really critical for us here in this story. And the first is, actually, we've got another verse here. Let's go ahead and read the other verse, and then I'm going to explain what the first one was. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child. This ordinary translates into extremely good-looking. It's the same word. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. This first example is, 
Yochebed, the mom, she had faith in the Lord before there was trouble. Before there was trouble. They didn't ratchet up the faith because a baby was being born. Before there was trouble, she had faith. They weren't worried about the king's edict. By faith, all of it went down. They weren't worried. She saved them. Good influencers, ladies, good influencers have faith before there's a calamity. And there are some terrible calamities that go on in life. Amen? But they have faith beforehand. Yochebed did. I'll tell you, somebody else who had dead, and this isn't a woman, but it's just a kind of a parallel thought. Job. Job had tremendous faith, and then all his calamities came. Terrible ones. He lost his spouse, many of his children, his money, his friends, everything he had, his health. It all went away. But he kept his faith. Yochebed was no different. This was her baby, her baby. But she had no worries. Neither did her husband. A very strong testimony. Another, another example that she gives is Yochebed gave her child to the Lord not once, but twice. Once in the river and the other after nursing. That mindset that she had to put him in that basket to make that basket. Remember, she made it. She put the tar on it. So she's making it knowing what she's going to do. I just can't imagine what's in her head. That time, that preparation time to make the basket. Then when she sends it down, she doesn't know. She has to let her daughter go find out. She couldn't go. She, what is it going to happen? What's going to happen? But her daughter comes back and says, now, now nurse him. You can come and nurse him. So she went and she nursed him for some time, some period of years. Years she spends with him. And think when you're feeding a baby, what are you doing? You're connecting with it, right? Had a great conversation with a sister about this yesterday. Connecting with that baby. You're singing songs to the baby. You're praying for the baby. You're holding the baby. But then she had to put the baby down and leave again. Man. Sometimes, as parents, people of influence, not just parents, people of influence, we have to trust that the Lord is the Lord. And the Lord knows what's going on. We don't always have the answers, but He does know what's going on with these people we're working on influencing. Ladies, He does know what's going on. There's a story in in the Scriptures where Mary... They're walking back away from Jerusalem, and Jesus takes off. They can't find him. He's missing for a day before they even realized he was missing. So they went back. They found him in the temple where he was talking to the teachers in the temple. And Jesus was actually teaching the the teachers. And he was only about 12 years old when this happened. So Mary, the Bible says, Mary didn't understand what was going on. How could her boy teach these teachers? She didn't understand, the scriptures say, but she treasured this in her heart. Because she knew the Lord's going to do what the Lord's going to do. It's the only reason she can treasure in her heart. When we, have, uh, when we give our children to the Lord, it's because we raise them in the biblical ways, even if they contradict the worldly ways sometimes. Being successful in the world is not always being successful in the Bible. Being successful in the world is getting what you have coming. Being successful in the Scriptures is doing what God has, wants done. It's a very different life. One's a life of sacrifice. One's a life of selfishness. And raising your children in that way, woo. But that's what she did. In order to give our children to God, we have to be willing to walk away and let the Lord take over. What, a, what an example. Okay, one more mom and one more example. And uh, let's go ahead and turn there, Jeff. 
The sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance, his mother taught him. An inspired utterance, but his mother taught him. So, the, uh, there's, a, there's a little bit of controversy on this. Who is King Lemuel? Um, some people feel King Lemuel is, uh, was one specific person. Some people feel it was just an example. Um, as we read this chapter, this chapter is divided in two parts. There's this first section, right? First nine verses, which is what we're going to read now. But then there's another section which really talks a lot about virtuous women. I believe, based on kind of this whole chapter and a number of other things that are in the scriptures, King Lemuel is actually King Solomon. And I believe it's, very, it's a very right thing to be King Solomon. Traditional Judaism also teaches King Lemuel is King Solomon. Lemuel means uh, one consecrated to God. And if you remember the story of Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, Bathsheba was a married woman, and King David saw her and was interested in her. They got together, had an affair. She became pregnant. David had to kill her husband. And as consequence for that, the baby that she was pregnant with died. That's what the scriptures say. As consequence for that sin, the baby that she's pregnant with died. So then, when Solomon came along, they made it very clear that when Solomon was born, that he was for God. So I believe Lemuel is another way of saying Somebody really, this you child, you who are very important to the Lord, I have something to say to you. So let's put different names on it. This is what Mother Bathsheba said to Solomon. Kind of a way to think of it. Listen, my son. Listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son, to the answer, the answer to my prayers. Can you imagine a mother who's just lost another baby and the hurt there? And all of that past that she had, she, she's, she's so proud of this son, this baby. And she wants him to really hear what she has to say. It is not for kings. Oh, do not spend your strength on women. Your vigor on those who ruin kings. She's giving him advice here. It is not for kings, Lemuel, one, consecrate, one dedicated to God. It is not for kings. It is not for kings to drink wine, not for the rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what, they, what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Let beer be for those who are perishing, wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. She's saying, watch the booze, watch the ladies, and speak up for all the people. Can you think of better advice? Can you think of better wisdom? And that's the third point. Good moms, good influencers pass wisdom looking at it from a long-term perspective. And can you think of anything better to say to pass your child in these sorts of things? This is wisdom. She knew the role that he was stepping into. Now, I've got to say, he did a terrible job listening to her. <laughs> Solomon, Solomon, we know, was the wisest man to ever live. The Bible is very clear on that. But, man, he could not say no to the ladies. He had the money, he had the time, he had apparently everything he needed, and women were a major part of his downfall. And the Bible really does talk about it. He also had a hard time with the booze. So you take those two things, I mean, I mean, bless Bathsheba's heart for trying to get his attention, but the words that she passed and the wisdom she passed were excellent. 
And good influencers pass good wisdom of, from a perspective that's down the way. She didn't say, hey, do a good job today. She said, you know, you're going to be king. Act like a king and think of all the people there are. And that's a lifelong endeavor for him. Very cool. These two mothers gave us three bits of profound advice. And I'm just going to read them again, make sure I got them all. Fresh in our minds anyway. Having a good faith relationship before the time of troubles come. Don't just call out when we need them. Yes, sometimes we, have to, we need them desperately. We call out fresh. But to have that good faith relationship beforehand is important. Also, give your children to God no matter how many times it takes. Trust God. And finally, finally, teaching our children wisdom of life down the way, even if they're not there yet. That vision, that direction, the scriptures call for and living, that's the vision and that's the direction we need to be teaching our children. Moms, grandmothers, women of influence in lives, women of influence in lives, think about that. All of you ladies influence lives, whether you know it or not. I was remembering uh, in a home group, when I, was, when I was a kid, we had a home group. And uh, there was a lady who was a very kind lady, and she was a little bit older, but she was a very positive influence. And in my life, she just had this even personality. You know these people? And uh, we had a lot of younger people at our home group. Not everybody younger, but a lot of younger people at our home group, and except for a couple older folks. Uh, and she just was one, she was one of them. She had this positive, steady influence. And I watched younger people defer to her. That's my memory of it anyway. Younger people would listen to her. So then I listened. Women of influence, regardless of your age, regardless whether you know you have this influence or not, you are a blessing to us. You're a blessing to this house. Women have this way of nurturing in a way that men don't nurture. You know, when I think of my dad... I can remember instances of him being a dad. I had a good time with my dad. A very good time. I remember uh, as a boy, we would spend Saturday mornings together, and we would do different things. We would camp, and we went canoeing together. We would fish. I, I remember these things, and I have good memories of them. When I think of my mom, I think of a state of being, because that's what she was to me. Women of influence, lots of times, there's a state of being to it. Just being who you are and being that person in our life and that nurturing and thinking of things that we don't think of and praying for us in ways that we don't know to pray for ourselves. My mom was the one that taught me uh, about, about the wise. She taught me about the Lord long before my dad did. My mom came to faith first, then my dad, then I came to faith, and then a year later my dad came to faith. My mom was the one who would explain it all. And it wasn't just when I was a little boy, it was up through high school. I didn't really start talking to my dad about the Lord really seriously until after high school. My mom would say, why? Here's why. Here's what's going on. Now, I don't know if you know my mom. I'm going to do my best mom impression. She would say it, she would go like this. Your father has a lot of things to think about. That's pretty good, right, Jax? Yeah, she would... When it was serious business as a kid, she would say, your father. And she would tell me what's going on. 
in a way I could understand, and she would tell me what to pray for, and then she would say, are you praying for this? She would ask me, she'd hold me to it. She would teach me why. She said all that foundation, it was a wonderful tag team for me between my mom and dad, because when I got a little older, then it was time to start working in ministry with my dad, I was ready for him, I understood all of his whys. I remember there was a season where he would say, what, how do you know that? Mom. <laughs> Women of influence come in all ages. And this is what you do for us. This is how you impact our lives. We are so thankful for you mothers and you grandmothers. We're so thankful for all of you women of influence. Paul talked about it. We all know these ladies. We all know you. God bless you for your efforts in this. So, Nice to see you. Please stand up. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much, so very much, Lord, for these ladies. We thank you for their influence on our lives in whatever way, in whatever time frame it's gone on. We are blessed by them, Lord God. These are the influences largely that this congregation is built upon through your word. We thank you for them, Lord. We ask you to bless them as they've blessed us. Father God, in this next week, we pray for a a good week for them. And God, just a freshness for them to know how much we appreciate them. And we pray for all of us, Lord God, that we would see that path that you've laid out for us, that the journey would be clear to us, that we would know which way to go and which way to be. We thank you for your call in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you.